We are beginning this morning in a brand new sermon series, and in this sermon series, we're going to focus on what it is that you believe. This series is called Truish. It's really a look at the principles that the, the Bible gives us, and then it's a, a look at, at what you believe and what you don't believe, and, and if it's, do, do we care about these when it comes to God's direction in our lives? And, and it's these principles that deep down inside that we know, but sometimes we just, we choose to tell ourselves things like this. We say, you know, it, it, it's, it's okay if I, or we say things like, um, it's, it's only, or uh, it's just, right? You know what happens when we say that though? What we're doing is we're actually compromising, right? All of those words, they, they lead to compromise. And, and what we do is we end up justifying our actions. Even if we tell ourselves that our actions are okay, does it really mean that they are okay? Sometimes we just believe kind of in a little bit or enough, you know, and that's that gray area that sometimes we just live in. Our, we can live there an entire life. See, believing in something kind of, or being a Christian somewhat, is not what the Bible asked for. It's not. It, it, it has a lot to do with what we believe because when we, when we compromise, we're telling ourselves that we know what is true, we know what is right, and, and we can deliver that, we can make that up. But see, here's the thing. If we are telling ourselves that we can justify truth, we can say this is okay, what happens is we very well may be putting salvation in jeopardy. And I'm going to tell you how in just a little bit. Some of us will say, you know, I, I, I go to church, and the Bible tells me to go to church, I go to church, but I don't really fully believe in Jesus, but you know, I'm there and I am a good person. If, if I'm a good person, I'm okay, right? Or I'm, I'm better than a lot of other people, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And you see what just happened? We compromised, right? We compared ourselves to a standard of somebody else. We tell ourselves that the Bible is true in most places. Or we tell ourselves that, that Scripture is good for most people. Or we say that, that our way is okay because God is loving, right? God loves us all, or God wants us to be happy, right? And so whatever I do, if it makes me happy, then God's happy. Right? So we're living in this, this gray area, this area that now is true-ish. And what we did is we compromised. And what we may have just done, we may have condemned our soul to an eternity away from God because we were picking and choosing what we wanted to believe and what we didn't. See, truth is fundamental. Our Christian faith is built off of truth. We hold that the Bible is true. We say God's word is true. Here at Paris Valley Church, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. It is without 
error. It is entirely true from front to back and everything in between. But, but what is truth? In our society, sometimes we have a hard time determining what is truth because there's so many different powers at play in your life telling you that something is true. They're telling you their version of truth. Let me ask you this. Can truth change? Can truth change? Not your perception of truth. No, the actual truth. Does a principle that is true here, right now, today, does it change? Does it suddenly become untrue if now we are in Magnolia? Does it suddenly, does math change from California to Finland? Is it any different? Does gravity change if we just cross the state line into Nevada? You know, truth, there is a standard truth to biblical principles is truth, and it does not change. In our world, though, truth is truth until it isn't. Until somebody comes along and, and decides to, to change it. There's this danger in our world that, that doesn't know what truth is. They assign something truth and then they shamefully and purposefully and willfully and joyfully reject the truth. And that's where we get in trouble. Is that we reject some, we hold on to other parts, and we're living in this area of true ish. I'm going to tell you one of the ways to really start to determine if something is true or not. And this is really easy, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's an easy theory. To determine if something is true, you need to go back to the source. We need to go to the source. Where did this come from? Who said this? You know, follow the evidence all the way back. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're a parent, maybe this has happened. Little Johnny comes home from school on a Friday afternoon, walks in, throws his backpack down, grabs some snacks and says, hey, mom, I'm staying over at Kenny's house tonight. His mom says it's okay. Now, what do we do right away? I don't know many parents that just say, okay, cool. See you tomorrow, right? What do we do? We don't really take the word of our fifth grader as truth, right? Chances are we're going to call the source. We're going to be calling that mom and saying, hey, um, my son says it's okay if he stays the night at your house. Is that okay? Is that really okay? Right? Because we need to find out where this came from. We need to, to dive deep. We need to follow back and see what is the source of this statement. Follow me. I'm in John chapter 1. We're going to start this morning in John chapter 1, verse number 14. And we're going to start looking at this source. This is John writing. And this is very early on in this book. John 1, 14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace, and watch this, and truth. Full of grace and truth. In your Bible, the second word in this, in this, uh, in this verse, it says the word. That W is probably capitalized. 
because we're talking about God, the essence of God. It's saying God became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is this? This is Jesus, right? Came living with us, dwelling with us, fully God and fully man, born of a virgin, living with us on earth. And then John writes that Jesus came from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus did not come full of bitterness, hatred, he didn't come full of gossip and racism and, and sinfulness. He came with grace, grace which is unmerited favor. Grace is something you did not earn that somebody gives to you that is way above what you deserve. That is grace. That is what Christ has done for us. And he came with truth. Jesus told us, he says, not everyone is going to believe in me. Right off the bat, he tells us that. He says, yeah, some are, some aren't. But believing in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, this is one of the, it's a requirement for making it to, to, to being and spending eternity in heaven with the Father. And let me tell you something really important about what you believe. And this is so important. Write this down. This is point number one in your notes this morning. For those of you joining us for the first time on the back of your bulletin, you'll find some fill in the blanks, and I'm going to give those to you. They'll be up on the screen as well. This is so important. Point number one in your notes is this. What you believe determines how you behave. What you believe determines how you behave. If you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, and if you believe that that he died on a cross, he rose three days later, that, that he has given a gift of his atoning sacrifice and grace for, for you, then your behavior is going to be based on that belief. What you believe determines how you behave. One of the theories that has just plagued our world and our, and our nation right now, it's this idea and then this theory of what we call relativism. Relativism is the assumption that there is no such thing as absolute truth. None. There's no truth. And, and it's kind of a circular argument because to say that there is no such thing as absolute truth is actually trying to make a truthful statement that really can't be really can't be proven by, by your own theory, right? But someone who is a friend of relativism will say that, that Jesus isn't the only way to heaven and, and would say something like, you know what, your truth can be different than somebody else's truth, can be different than my truth, and we can all be correct because there's no absolute truth. That's not really what we believe that's not really what we read, but if that's what you believe, that is how you are going to behave. If you believe there's no absolute truth and there's not a difference between right and wrong, then what would be a truthful statement at all? Would anything be truth? And see, that's the thing about truth. Nothing can be what it is and something else at the same time. Think about that. It can't be A and B at the same time. Truth is truth. It is one thing, or it is another thing, but it is not both things. 
Subjectism is, a, is another theory that we're struggling with in our world. This is the idea that the subject, that you, you have the right to determine what is right and wrong in your own world without having any, any submission to any sort of authority or being judged by any authority outside of yourself. You can make it up. And that's okay because you get to determine and nobody has any right to tell you that you were wrong. No one does. You're the subject. You are the leader of your, your own world. How confusing is that? If everyone just makes everything up and there is no truth and it's just whatever you want it to be. <sighs> That is going to, to, to really lead to some major problems. We can't come together if we don't have a truth, if we don't know what truth is. And we've, we've fallen into this world that says, well, I don't want to offend anyone because that's, that's their truth. Well, let me tell you, that's not true. <laughs> We're going to talk about truth. The truth cannot be something and something else at the same time. It can't be. We know that Jesus came to earth full of grace and truth, and then he came to earth as a child, and he started a public ministry at about 30 years old, around that time. But John records something very important. I'm in John chapter 14. I'm in verse number 6. This is a statement that is exclusive to Christianity. And this is why Christianity is an exclusive faith. And this is important. Watch this. Jesus says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus says he is truth and there is no other way to the Father. None. Now, does that leave any allowance for, well, if? Does that allow any room for, well, maybe they? Or, if I do? Huh. That, that leaves no gray area. If you're in that gray area... Now we're believing in something that is true-ish, and that's dangerous. That could be dangerous to your faith, dangerous to your soul. Let me ask you, do you believe what Jesus says? Do you believe what the Bible says? Are there some things in the Bible that you don't believe? It's a little harder question, maybe. Are there some things in the Bible that you question whether they are true or not? We might come across a story. I'll tell you, there's some, probably some people that can't believe that you can fit two of every single animal on earth on a boat for 40 days and float around and then let a dove go and then let all the animals out, right? I mean, but it's, it's in God's word. I want you to see another conversation that Jesus had. He had this conversation. This is right before his crucifixion with Pilate. And Jesus is facing Pilate, and there's an accusation from the, from the, the Jews that Jesus is calling himself a king. And Jesus has told Pilate, yeah, my kingdom, it's not of this world. 
And I want you to see this conversation. I'm in John chapter 18, verse number 37. Pilate says, you are a king then, Pilate says Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into this world is to, watch this, testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. That's Jesus defending himself. He says, I'm here to testify to the truth. And he, he doesn't say that everyone on the side of truth can take bits and pieces of his word and toss the others. Mm -mm, doesn't say that. He doesn't say that, that everyone on the side of the truth follows God's directions sometimes. He doesn't say you can believe and follow what you like and, and toss out. He doesn't say that everyone on the side of truth listens to me when they feel like it or what piques their fancy. He doesn't say that there is any gray area. He says those on the side of truth listen to me. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is point number two in your notes this morning, and this one's pretty simple. And the reason this is here, and I've told you before, I want you to take these notes, put them up on your refrigerator, look at them every day. Point number two in your notes is this, very simple. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the truth. If we were to follow truth all the way back to the beginning, if we were to find the source and where does truth come from, Jesus says, I am the truth. We just, we found the source. Can it be culture? Can it be celebrities? Can it be Twitter? Can it be anything else? Can anything else be the source of truth? No, this Jesus is the source of truth. He is the standard upon which truth is measured. In Washington, D.C., there is the National Bureau of Standards. It's a controlled measurement laboratory in the United States, and they have created their standard and standards that are fixed. As an example, they have a perfect inch. You can go and you can see a perfect foot, a perfect gallon. There is a perfect pint. There is a perfect yard. And all of the other measurements in the United States are to conform to that standard. If a man in a meat market sells meat by the pound, his scale must meet that standard. If a man sells gasoline, his gallon of gasoline must meet that standard. You can't go to one gas station and they say, well, you know, my gallon of gas, it's, uh, you know, it's really expensive, but it'll get you from here to Utah on one gallon. Then you go to another gas station, they said, well, my gallon's pretty cheap. It'll get you from here to the next gas station. No, there is a standard. You don't get to make it up. It, it is a standard that is already understood. We understand measurements in standards, but somehow when it comes to spiritual things, we think we get to make it up. We think we get to make the rules. And that's what happens when men put their work into a place where only God's work belongs. 
There are those who will say, you know what, I, I, I think God is like this. And others will say, well, I think God is like this. And, 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 and I think this is how you live. And, and I think this is how you approach God. No, the truth about God is fixed. It is not based on imagination. It is not subjective. It is objective. And the objective standard of truth about who God is and what God expects is in his word that is fixed forever. His word, his truth is already there for us. Why are we trying to create truth? Jesus was at a festival in Jerusalem and he was having a conversation with, with other Jews. I'm in John chapter 10. And there were Jews who were gathered around him at the temple courts and they asked him, they said, how long are you gonna keep us in suspense? If you really are the Messiah, tell us that you're the Messiah and just tell us plainly. And I want you to hear what Jesus says. I'm in John chapter 10, verse number 25. Jesus answered and he says, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Remember, what you believe dictates how you behave. And I want you to notice the behavior of his sheep here. I want you to look at the verbs, okay? They listen to my voice and they follow me. If you believe, if your belief is that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then our behavior is going to reflect our belief. But if you believe that celebrity culture and social movements and, and, and these, these movements that are, that are bringing our world as far away from the Bible as possible and these lifestyles that, that knowingly and, and willfully and sinfully and knowingly get as far away from God as they can. If that is your belief, your behavior will show that. But I want to show you something else about these words and not just the words of Jesus here. I want to show you something about the words of the Bible in its entirety. And this is really important because there's some people who will say, who will say, you know what, pastor, I only live by the red letters. Those are the, those are the words of Jesus in my Bible, the red letters. Or, or, you know, we're in New Testament times and I only live by what Jesus says or I only live by the New Testament. Well, you're only going to find the words of Jesus in five books in your Bible. There's 66 books in there and he's... In, his words are in five, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Revelation. So here's, here's my question. Are the other 61 books worthless? Are the other 61 books not the word of God? Do the other 61 books have any relevance in your life? Well, they should. Let's look and see what the Apostle Paul says. I'm in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse number 16, Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant, of, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul says that all scripture, not just the red letters, not just the New Testament, not just the writings of Paul. He says that all 
all of Scripture is God-breathed. Not excluding. He said, not, don't take out the part that you don't like. No, that's God-breathed too. That's in Scripture. And it is all useful for training in righteousness. Every book, every chapter, every paragraph, every verse is true. But for some reason, we want to accept the parts of the Bible that correspond with the lifestyle that we've told ourselves is correct that correspond with the choices that, that, we have, that we have made and we've given ourselves the okay because they're kind of in line. Or we've said it's just, or it's only. I wanna tell you this, and this is so important, and I wanna write this, I want you to write this down. This is point number three in your notes this morning, is this. We accept living with lives, lies rather, when we choose to live in truish. We accept living with lies and in a world of lies when we are okay living in that gray area. We say, you know, that, that's, that's true, kind of. Or sometimes we say this, well, I believe that's true, but, but I, I believe that's true, but only if you add that button, it's not true anymore, right? Because what happens is we just changed it. The same thing cannot be the truth and not the truth at the same time. We're told in Scripture that God cannot lie. So we have to either accept the whole truth, the entire canon of Scripture as truth, or we are allowing ourselves to live with lies. You think about that. You're not only living with lies, but you are, you are okay with it. You are allowing it. You are subject to it. When we say, I'm gonna pick and choose what parts of the Bible that I like, I really like about 75% of it. Like that story about Jonah and the fish, like that's a really cool story, I'll keep that. I, I, I like that one, but there's other things that yeah, you know what, I'm gonna, I kinda have a big problem with that. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna kick that out. I don't really believe that. If it's up to you and I to choose what portions of the Bible are true, as measured by our own personal standards of truth, what's keeping us from calling the really important parts that have to do with our salvation, what's keeping us from calling those untrue? When the Bible says, Yes, Jesus says, you know, you, you, you have to believe in me. When, when you believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth, but if we took that part and we say, you know what, that's in, I'm going to discard that. What if we just discarded the parts that our salvation is based on? Because we thought, you know, that really doesn't fit in very well with the way I live, with the way I think, with the way I, I feel. If we threw out those important parts, then then our salvation absolutely can be in jeopardy. The salvation of those who we know and who we talk to and who we share the gospel with. What if we only shared 75% of the Bible, but we chose the parts that we didn't want to share? How dangerous is that for somebody else? That's really dangerous. I want you to see another conversation that Jesus had with the Jews who didn't believe in him. Well, they did believe in him, but they were kind of lukewarm, okay? 
they believed, they still had Jewish faith, and, and they were kind of in this truish area. They weren't all in. And I want you to see what Jesus says. I'm in John chapter 8, verse number 38. Jesus says this, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your Father. Look at that. Look at the word Father, lowercase f. Okay? The cap F, the capitalized F, that is talking about God the Father. He's saying this is what you have learned from your Father. That, that pronoun is telling us that it's not God. He's actually referring to somebody else. In this case, Jesus is referring to the devil. He's referring to, to Satan. Come back with me. I'm in verse number 39. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you're looking for a way to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, and I heard from God, Abraham did not do, uh, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come here on my own. God sent me. Wow, that's deep. He's having an argument with people who are trying to claim God as their father, but are acting as if he is not. Their behavior is showing what they believe. And their behavior is not showing that they believe in Jesus Christ. What is it that you believe? What is it that you believe that the Bible says is not correct? I don't want any of us to say that there's nothing on that list. What is it that you follow that is not Jesus? What banner do you walk behind? Or what flag do you wave that, that is man-made and not God-breathed? If you have anything on that list, anything at all, then you are listening to a, a father of lies speak in his native language. Why do we understand that language so well? Well, because we live in a culture that speaks that language a lot, right? Like that's, if you're not bilingual, if you don't think you're bilingual, you are now. You understand that language of the father of lies. He is speaking in a way that you can understand. Here's the fourth point in, in your notes this morning. This is it. You always have access to the truth. Here's the question. Are you going to listen? You always have access to the truth. Your entire life you have had access to the truth. We are not in a third world nation where we're in a people group that does not have the Word of God written in their language. You have it. You have it in your language. Matter of fact, you might have it in a book form. You might have it on an app. You have access to the truth. Every single word you have access to. Everyone in this building has access to it and has the ability to understand it. Either, either you look at it and you read it and you say this is truth, or you look at it and you read it and you say this is a neat story. 
One of the two. But it can't be both. It can't be both. The question is, though, you have this and you know this, but are you going to believe in him? Are you going to listen to him? Are you going to follow him? Is your behavior going to show that you believe? Because, see, that's how other people know. How, do somebody, how does somebody else know that you're a follower of Christ? Well, Jesus says they will know you by your love. But they're going to know you by your behavior. And it's not just what you do, it's also what you don't do, right? I'm in John chapter 5, verse number 20. Rather, 1 John, I apologize. 1 John chapter 5, verse number 20. John writes this. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. God has given us the ability to understand his word. Now, let me tell you, I understand that we might not be able to open up the Bible and grasp the entire depth of God's word. None of us in here can. That means that you understand all of the history, all of the theology. No, but we are growing together. And he has given us the ability to understand truth because we live in him, we live with him, and he lives in you. Are you going to listen to him? That's the question. We have the truth. We know where the truth is. Are we going to let the truth of Christ rise above the truth that we create? Are we going to let the truth of Jesus fill this place where the father of lies has been living in for so long? And let me tell you something. The father of lies doesn't get in here and live in here without an invitation. It's the same way that Christ doesn't. So we sit back and we say, well, how did you get in there? Well, at some point, he was invited in. But see, let me tell you something. The father of lies and God the Father, they're not very good roommates. Really not. One's going to live here, and one is going to, one is going to, to be the father of your heart, and one is not. The question is, who is the father right now? To follow Jesus means that we need to stop. We have to stop following something else. To follow Jesus means that, that we're going to let go of those chains that are tying us down, that, that we are going to change our, our flag, that we're going to change our banner that we are walking behind, that we're going to let go of this man-made earthly sinfulness and, and, and these, these sinful rituals that we have decided to, to cling on to that are pulling us down and holding us captive, that are making us feel guilty, that, that are making us feel shameful, that are keeping us in a state that is unfulfilled. It doesn't have to be like that anymore. I'm going to end with this. And I've already read this to you this morning. I'm in Jap John chapter 8, verse number 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you hold to my teachings, 
then you will know the truth. He didn't say if you kind of follow me when it feels good or when there's no one around or, or when, that, when that social group that, that is so far away from me, when they're pressuring you, but when you get away from them and you follow me, you come to church, you don't let anyone know. But No, he didn't say that. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. What is it that's holding you down this morning? Which one of those lies has got your attention? Is holding you captive? Which one? Is it that you can make up your own truth? Is it that it's okay because... Well, it's only, or it's okay because it's just. You tell yourself and you tell yourself, but see, you keep coming back to the truth and you keep coming back and you, and there's that, that guilt. Because what happens is when we operate by our own man-made truth, we know inside that we made that up. Don't we know inside that that's not from Christ? That's where that guilt comes, comes from. You can tell yourself you're right in any situation, and then when you get back to the source and you realize that you are not, that's where that guilt comes from. You always go to the source. You want to find truth? You've got to find the source. We've got a few more weeks in this series, and we're going to be looking at some, some hard topics, but they're topics that we face every single day. Because we all, in a way, do live and find ourselves comfortable living in the gray area. We find ourselves more comfortable than we should be living in truish. Will you pray with me? Lord, I want to thank you this morning for reminding us where truth comes from and reminding us where it doesn't come from. Lord, this morning I just, I, I pray that, that your hand will touch hearts in this room and expose to us those areas in our life where we are living kind of by your word where we are picking and choosing. Lord, I pray this morning that you will bring us closer to your entire word, your God-breathed scripture and truth. Lord, I pray that, that, you will, that you will raise these lies to the top so they can be swept away, so that we can recognize them. And when we look down, all we see is your truth. Lord, I, I pray this morning that, that you will shine a light. Shine a light on our guilt. Let us see where we've been off base. But Lord, I just pray that you will continue to shine from your word, from our Bible on our nightstand that needs dusted off, 
from that app that we haven't opened in a long time. Lord, dust that off and bring us closer to truth. In just a moment, I'm going to be down front and Jerry will be on my left, your right. And if we can pray for you for anything, I just ask that, that the Lord just puts the strength in your legs to come. David's going to play as we continue in, in worship. Lord, thank you for this reminder that we don't get to make it up, that you have already set the standard for truth. And that if we follow anything back to its source, and its source is a man, a source is human, then it is not from you. Lord, we come to you today with our worship and praise. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.